0: So we are back with another edition of And Then There Were None. I hope you enjoyed Chapter 5 and uh, learning more about General MacArthur because up until now, he's been kind of a mystery. So he's uh, very interesting with his um, past and his murder of his wife's lover. Um, And just a little bit more about Vera. You can see how they're kind of being... Uh, hesitant to talk to her to you about her a little bit so um so she's kind of a mystery in and of herself but just hang in there and we'll learn more about her oh uh, so for right now let's keep going with chapter six and we will uh learn more about another character Dr Armstrong is going to be coming up here next. So hang tight for the next episode here.
1: Uh-huh. The body looked As she passed the She
0: looked up at the Ten This is the end of chapter 5. It.
1: The sweat was rolling down his face. His hands were clammy, difficult to hold the scalpel firmly. How beautifully sharp it was. Easy to do a murder with a knife like that. And of course he was doing a murder. The woman's body looked different. It had been a large, unwieldy body. This was a spare, meagre body, and the face was hidden. Who was it that he had to kill? He couldn't remember, but he must know. Should he ask sister? Sister was watching him. No, he couldn't ask her. She was suspicious he could see that. But who was it on the operating table? They shouldn't have covered up the face like that. If he could only see the face. Ah, that was better. A young probationer was pulling off the handkerchief. Emily Brent, of course. It was Emily Brent that he had to kill. How malicious her eyes were. Her lips were moving. What was she saying? In the midst of life, we are in death she was laughing now no nurse don't put the handkerchief back i've got to see i've got to give the anesthetic where's the ether i must have brought the ether with me what have you done with the ether sister shadow after pap yes that will do quite as well take the handkerchief away nurse of course i knew it all the time it's anthony marston his face is purple and convulsed but he's not dead he's laughing i tell you he's laughing he's shaking the operating table look out man look out nurse steady it steady it with a start, Dr. Armstrong woke up. It was morning. Sunlight was pouring into the room. And someone was leaning over him, shaking him. It was Rogers, Rogers with a white face, saying, Doctor, Doctor. Dr. Armstrong woke up completely. He sat up in bed. He said sharply, What is it? It's the wife, Doctor. I can't get her to wake. My God, I can't get her to wake. And She don't look right to me. Dr. Armstrong was quick and efficient. He wrapped himself in his dressing gown and followed Rogers. He bent over the bed where the woman was lying peacefully on her side. He lifted the cold hand, raised the eyelid. It was some few minutes before he straightened himself and turned from the bed. Rogers whispered, Is she... is she... He passed a tongue over dry lips. Armstrong nodded. Yes, she's gone his eyes rested thoughtfully on the man before him then they went to the table by the bed to the washstand then back to the sleeping woman rogers said was it was it her heart doctor dr armstrong was a minute or two before replying then he said what was her health like normally rogers said she was a bit rheumatic-y any doctor been attending her recently doctor rogers stared Not been to a doctor for years. Neither of us. You'd no reason to believe she suffered from heart trouble. No, doctor. I never knew of anything. Armstrong said, did she sleep well? Now Roger's eyes evaded his. The man's hands came together and turned and twisted uneasily. He muttered, she didn't sleep extra well, no. The doctor said sharply, did she take things to make her sleep? rogers stared at him surprised take things to make her sleep not that i knew of i'm sure she didn't armstrong went over to the washstand there were a certain number of bottles on it hair lotion lavender water cascara glycerin of cucumber for the hands a mouthwash toothpaste and some elements rogers helped by pulling out the drawers of the dressing table from there they moved on to the chest of drawers but there was no sign of sleeping draughts or tablets. Rogers said, She didn't have nothing last night, sir, except what you gave her. When the gong sounded for breakfast at nine o'clock, it found everyone up and awaiting the summons. General MacArthur and the judge had been pacing the terrace outside, exchanging desultory comments on the political situation. Vera Claythorne and Philip Lombard had been up to the summit of the island behind the house. There they had discovered William Henry Bloor standing staring at the mainland. He said, No sign of that motorboat yet. I've been watching for it. Vera said, smiling, Devon's a sleepy county. Things are usually late. Philip Lombard was looking the other way, out to sea. He said abruptly, What do you think of the weather? Glancing up at the sky, Bloor remarked, Looks all right to me. Lombard pursed up his mouth into a whistle. He said, It will come on to blow before the day's out. Law said, Squally, eh? From below them came the boom of a gong. Philip Lombard said, Breakfast? Well, I could do with some. As they went down the steep slope, Law said to Lombard in a ruminating voice, You know, it beats me why that young fellow wanted to do himself in. I've been worrying about it all night. Vera was a little ahead. Lombard hung back slightly. He said, Got any alternative theory? Oh, I'd want some proof. Motive to begin with. Well off, I should say, it was. Emily Brent came out of the drawing room window to meet them. She said sharply, Is the boat coming? Not yet, said Vera. They went into breakfast. There was a vast dish of eggs and bacon on the sideboard and tea and coffee. Rogers held the door open for them to pass in, then shut it from the outside. Emily Brent said, that man looks ill this morning. Dr. Armstrong, who was standing by the window, cleared his throat. He said, you must excuse any uh, shortcomings this morning. Rogers has had to do the best he can for breakfast single-handed. Mrs. Rogers has uh, not been able to carry on this morning. Emily Brent said sharply, ''What's the matter with the woman?'' ''Dr. Armstrong said easily, ''Let us start our breakfast. The eggs will be cold. Afterwards, there are several matters I want to discuss with you all.'' They took the hint. Plates were filled, coffee and tea was poured. The meal began. Discussion of the island was, by mutual consent, tabooed. They spoke instead in a desultory fashion of current events. The news from abroad, events in the world of sport the latest reappearance of the Loch Ness Monster. Then, when plates were cleared, Dr. Armstrong moved back his chair a little, cleared his throat, importantly, and spoke. He said, I thought it better to wait until you'd all had your breakfast before telling you of a sad piece of news. Mrs. Rogers died in her sleep. There were startled and shocked ejaculations. Vera exclaimed, How awful! Two deaths on this island since we arrived. Mr. Justice Wargrave, his eyes narrowed, said in his small, precise, clear voice, "Mm, Very remarkable. What was the cause of death? Armstrong shrugged his shoulders. Impossible to say offhand. There must be an autopsy. I certainly couldn't give a certificate. I have no knowledge whatsoever of the woman's state of health. Vera said she was a very nervous-looking creature. And she had a shock last night. It might have been heart failure, I suppose. Dr. Armstrong said dryly, her heart certainly failed to beat. But what caused it to fail is the question. One word fell from Emily Brent. It fell hard and clear into the listening group. Conscience, she said. Armstrong turned to her. What exactly do you mean by that, Miss Brent? Emily Brent, her lips tight and hard, said, You all heard. She was accused, together with her husband, of having deliberately murdered her former employer, an old lady. And you think, Emily Brent said, I think that the accusation was true. You all saw her last night. She broke down completely and fainted. The shock of having her wickedness brought home to her was too much for her. She literally died of fear. Dr. Armstrong shook his head doubtfully. It is a possible theory, he said. One cannot adopt it without more exact knowledge of her state of health. If there was cardiac weakness, Emily Brent said quietly, Call it, if you prefer, an act of God. Everyone looked shocked. Mr. Blore said uneasily, That's carrying things a bit far, Miss Brent. She looked at them with shining eyes. Her chin went up. She said, ''You regard it as impossible that a sinner should be struck down by the wrath of God. I do not.'' The judge stroked his chin. He murmured in a slightly ironic voice, ''My dear lady, in my experience of ill-doing, providence leaves the work of conviction and chastisement to us mortals.'' And the process is often fraught with difficulties. There are no shortcuts. Emily Brent shrugged her shoulders. Bloor said sharply, What did she have to eat and drink last night after she went up to bed? Armstrong said nothing. She didn't take anything a cup of tea, a drink of water. I'll bet you she had a cup of tea. That sort always does. Rogers assures me she had nothing whatsoever. Ah, said Bloor, but he might say so. His tone was so significant that the doctor looked at him sharply. Philip Lombard said, said so that's your idea. Bloor said aggressively, well, why not? We all heard that accusation last night. Maybe sheer moonshine, just plain lunacy. On the other hand, it may not. Allow for the moment that it's true. Rogers and his missus polished off that old lady. Well, where does that get you? They've been feeling quite safe and happy about it. Vera interrupted. In a low voice, she said, No, I don't think Mrs. Rogers ever felt safe. Blore looked slightly annoyed at the interruption. Just like a woman, his glance said. He resumed. That's as may be. Anyway, there's no active danger to them as far as they know. Then, last night, some unknown lunatic spills the beans. What happens? The woman cracks. She goes to pieces. Notice how her husband hung over her as she was coming round. Not all husbandly solicitude, not on your life. He was like a cat on hot bricks, scared out of his life, as to what you might say. And there's the position for you. They've done a murder and got away with it. But if the whole thing's going to be raked up, what's going to happen? Tender one, the woman will give the show away. She hasn't got the nerve to stand up and brazen it out. She's a living danger to her husband, that's what she is. "'He's all right. He'll lie with a straight face till kingdom comes, "'but he can't be sure of her. "'If she goes to pieces, his neck's in danger. "'So he slips something into a cup of tea "'and makes sure that her mouth is shut permanently.' Armstrong said slowly, "'There was no empty cup by her bedside. "'There was nothing there at all. I looked. "'Blore snorted. Of course there wouldn't be. First thing he'd do when she'd drunk it "'would be to take that cup and saucer away "'and wash it up carefully.' There was a pause. Then General MacArthur said doubtfully, It may be so, but I should hardly think it possible that a man would do that uh, to his wife. Bloor gave a short laugh. He said, When a man's neck's in danger, he doesn't stop to think too much about sentiment. There was a pause. Before anyone could speak, the door opened and Rogers came in. He said, looking from one to the other, Is there anything more I can get you? Mr. Justice Wargrave stirred a little in his chair. He asked, What time does the motorboat usually come over? Between seven and eight, sir. Sometimes it's a bit after eight. Don't know what Fred Narricot can be doing this morning. If he's ill, he'd send his brother. Philip Lombard said, What's the time now? Ten minutes to ten, sir. Lombard's eyebrows rose. He nodded slowly to himself. Rogers waited a minute or two. General MacArthur spoke suddenly and explosively. Sorry to hear about your wife, Rogers. Doctor's just been telling us. Rogers inclined his head. Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. He took up the empty bacon dish and went out. Again there was a silence. On the terrace outside, Philip Lombard said, About this motorboat. Law looked at him nodded his head he said i know what you're thinking mr lombard i've asked myself the same question motorboat order have been here nigh on two hours ago it hasn't come why found the answer asked lombard it's not an accident that's what i say it's part and parcel of the whole business it's all bound up together philip lombard said it won't come you think a voice spoke behind them a testy impatient voice the motorboat's not coming it said. Blore turned his square shoulder slightly and viewed the last speaker thoughtfully. You think not too, General? General MacArthur said sharply, Of course it won't come. We're counting on the motorboat to take us off the island. That's the meaning of the whole business. We're not going to leave the island. None of us will ever leave. It's the end, you see. The end of everything. He hesitated. Then he said in a low, strange voice, It's peace, real peace, to come to the end, not to have to go on. Yes, peace. He turned abruptly and walked away. Along the terrace, then down the slope toward the sea, obliquely to the end of the island, where loose rocks went out into the water. He walked a little unsteadily, like a man who was only half awake. Blore said... There goes another one who's balmy. Looks as though it'll end with a whole lot going that way. Philip Lombard said, I don't fancy you, Will Blore. The ex-inspector laughed. It would take a lot to send me off my head. He added dryly, and I don't think you'll be going that way either, Mr. Lombard. Philip Lombard said, I feel quite sane at the minute. Thank you. Dr. Armstrong came out onto the terrace. He stood there hesitating. To his left were Bloor and Lombard. To his right was Wargrave slowly pacing up and down, his head bent down. Armstrong, after a moment of indecision, turned towards the latter. But at that moment, Rogers came quickly out of the house. Could I have a word with you, sir, please? Armstrong turned. He was startled at what he saw. Rogers' face was working. Its colour was greyish-green. His hands shook. It was such a contrast to his restraint of a few minutes ago that Armstrong was quite taken aback. Please, sir, if I could have a word with you inside, sir. The doctor turned back and re-entered the house with the frenzied butler. He said, what's the matter, man? Pull yourself together. In here, sir. Come in here. He opened the dining room door. The doctor passed in. Rogers followed him and shut the door behind him well said armstrong what is it the muscles of roger's throat were working he was swallowing he jerked out there's things going on sir that i don't understand armstrong said sharply things what things you'll think i'm crazy sir you'll say it isn't anything but it's got to be explained sir. it's got to be explained because it doesn't make any sense well man tell me what it is don't go on talking in riddles Rogers swallowed again. He said, It's those little figures, sir, in the middle of the table. The little china figures. Ten of them there were, I'll swear to that. Ten of them. Armstrong said, Yes, ten. We counted them last night at dinner. Rogers came nearer. That's just it, sir. Last night when I was clearing up, there wasn't but nine, sir. I noticed it and I thought it queer. But that's all I thought. And now, sir, this morning... I was upset and all that. But now, sir, when I came to clear away, see for yourself if you don't believe me. There's only eight, sir. Only eight. Doesn't make sense, does it? Only eight. Chapter 7 After breakfast, Emily Brent had suggested to Vera Claythorne that they should walk to the summit again and watch for the boat. <laughs>
0: Okay. Um, so that is chapter six. All right. So now we have another death, Mrs. Ethel Rogers. Um, she seemed like a pretty insignificant character. So I don't know how many of you will be surprised. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, she couldn't have done it, but, you know, she was pretty meek and mild mannered and pretty pretty much a very boring character in general so um, anyway uh, so if this changes your perspective uh, think about it think about the poem Uh, nine little soldier boys stayed up very late one overslept himself and then there were eight okay so think about the poem think about the next part okay so that can possibly help guide you as to who you think is the murderer and who you might think is next to die. So just give it a thought. Uh, stay in there. Think about a little bit more about General MacArthur. He's really struggling. So he has some guilt issues. He's okay with the idea of dying. So there's that. Um, Really, we have Dr. Armstrong, who's pretty laid back and, and soft spoken, um, well spoken person, uh, very much a contrast to someone like, say, Bloor, who is a little bit sharper and curt in his responses. So, yeah, so think about this now. Think about the characteristics. Jot down what you have found out more about General MacArthur uh, and any other characters such as Emily Brent, who is just the nastiest person God ever created. So think about what she said and uh, what she has been saying her, you know, about the conscience and how sinners die and, and, you know, yada, yada. So she is still high on the suspect list. So just, uh, think about it, sort of piece things together, see what you think, and, um, just, Hang in there and we will be discussing more. Send me your ideas as to what you think and what you thought and how maybe your perspectives and ideas have changed, okay? So, um, go ahead and do that and make sure that you submit that to me. And don't forget, these are all going in as grades, so please make sure you get them to me as soon as possible. All right, so, Just hang in there and I will speak with you later. All right. Talk to you soon.